My message today is entitled, The Gift of Victory. And as we open Romans chapter 7, I want to ask you to look with me, starting at verse 15. Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 15. And this is what the Bible says. Paul writes, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, thus do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Can you identify with what Paul wrote here? Now, I don't know if you're like me, but something about the earth going around the sun one time and coming back to the same spot, it makes me want to try to live better, do something different this year. And every year I make, you know, resolutions, maybe some of you have. I make decisions on how I want this year to be different. And this year, I have made a commitment that I want to be less connected digitally. Now, I'm not saying this is for you, but I'm saying this for me. So I went through my phone. I deleted some apps. I made a decision to conscientiously avoid certain parts of the Internet, like Netflix and some of these places, And uh, I'm doing my part to try to spend less time online. Well, something that you should know about me is that um, my personality type is I have what I call an addictive personality. Not that you would be addicted to my personality, but my personality tends to get addicted to certain things very easily. Does that make sense? So, for example... When I like a song, I, I don't just listen to the song. I put it on repeat, and I'll listen to it for a whole week. Like, you know, for like four, five, six, seven hours a day. And I'm not exaggerating. I know you think that that might be extreme, but I'm not. I had a, after I graduated from college, I served as a high school teacher, and I had a roommate. And he literally went crazy because of this habit that I, like, he said to me, look, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, we have to change the song. And um, if I like a food, I'll eat the food for months, you know, just every single day, you know. And it doesn't bother me, but my wife is totally unlike me. You know, when my wife uh, eats, every meal is different. For me, I have to eat oatmeal every day. You know, it doesn't matter. It's just oatmeal every single day. And the point is that it's also manifest in my own spiritual life when I struggle with things. Um, years ago, I, when I worked as a school teacher, there are really some perks to being a teacher because, yeah, you don't get paid a lot, but you know, you're, you work for nine months out of the year, and then for three months, you're basically off, you know? And I had a job not only as a school teacher, but I also ended up working in a line of work where the work was very difficult for X number of months, and then I was off. And if you could meet me during those months when I was working, you would have been impressed because I was 110%. I worked hard. I sweated. uh, I was definitely on point and doing what my company asked me to do. But if you met me during the off-season, you wouldn't have recognized me 
I was completely different. Um, one of the struggles that I had back then is that I was addicted to television. And when I say addicted, I don't mean that in a, I don't use that word lightly. Um, I had this habit right around dinner time, after dinner, I'd sit on the sofa. And basically what I would do is I would start watching something and I would just watch. And then if a, if a commercial came on, I'd switch the channel. And I wouldn't ever go back to the original one. I would just watch this new program until the commercial came on, and then I'd switch to something else. And, you know, if you have cable or one of these streaming services, you know that there are almost an unlimited number of watching options. And I would, I would go into this pattern of just watching, 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 and then the next thing I knew, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. And I'd go to sleep. I'd crawl into bed, like, very quietly. And then the next day, same pattern. And it got to the point where I realized I wasn't so much addicted to the content. I was addicted to just being, like, escaping into the programming. And I figured out that this was not just, you know, some, some habit or pastime. I was addicted. When I couldn't be in front of the television, I was irritable. I was unhappy. I just wanted to, like, you know, let my brain go into those beta, I think alpha, whatever waves that are, you know, when you're not really engaging. I just wanted it to go into that steady hum, and I just wanted to avoid thinking. And I realized that this was a real problem. This wasn't just something, you know, that was a pastime. This was a real issue. And so then I realized I need help, and I, I didn't know what to do. And I want to interject a little fact here for you. During the Gulf War, there was a group of Iraqi soldiers that actually surrendered to the American forces. And when they surrendered, the, the coalition forces came, and they saw that this little group of Iraqi soldiers actually had very advanced weapons. They had, like, you know, anti-tank uh, uh, ordinances. They had surface-to-air missiles. They had advanced Soviet weapons. I mean, very advanced stuff. And so you're probably wondering, why would they surrender? And the reason was because many of them had no idea how to operate the equipment. Like, you know, it, it, it's not like anybody can just fire, you know, a surface-to-air missile. Like, you have to have some training. And they had no clue as to how to operate some of this stuff. There are many Christians that have been going to church, and they have, they love Jesus. And, you know, and yet, in their own spiritual experience, they don't know how to use the weapons of the Christian warfare. And so today I want to talk with you about how the Bible describes the procedure or the process by which we overcome and gain victory over sins and habits in our lives. Now, before we do that, I'm going to ask you to come back with me to Romans 7 because I want to describe for you I want to show, show you how Paul describes 
the bondage that he was in. I'm going to ask you to come down with me to verse 19. Notice what he says. So we read earlier, uh, we were reading verse 15, but I'm going to ask you to come down with me to verse 19. And here's what he says. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. And I think we all know this. We've all been in a place in life where we want to do better. We want to have these New Year's resolutions. We want to make changes in our lives. And yet we sometimes find that we are not able to humanly do it no matter how much we try. Make no mistake, Paul's description here is an experience that all Christians have gone through. In fact, if you come down a little bit further, I want you to see verse 24. Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the what? The body of this death. Verse 24 makes reference to a grotesque, utterly despicable practice of torture and death in the Roman Empire. Now, I I mean, the fact that we even have children here makes me kind of hesitant, but let me explain to you what Paul is referencing here. Did you know that in the Roman Empire, there was a practice of torturing people that involved taking a living human being and wrapping them up with a corpse? Now, that in the initial thought sounds horrible. I know you that you realize that just the thought of being that close. And, you know, we're not talking about a sterile formaldehyde-preserved body. We're talking about a raw corpse. And I know that many of you, if you're in the medical profession, you know you're thinking like cholera. You know, that's the initial thought, right? Cholera would have been the least of your concerns because in this process as the corpse begins to decay. I don't know if you know this, but your skin is basically like a sponge. Did you know that? Your skin is an organ of absorption and elimination. And what happens is the the toxins which are excreted from the corpse, they become assimilated into the living body. In other words, over time, the living being absorbs all of that putrefaction and ultimately begins to decay while still being alive. Does that make sense? Now, this was grotesque. I don't even know who thought of this. I don't even want to know. But you understand that in this process, this person is so stuck to the one thing that they wish they could get as far away from, and they have no choice because they are bound up with this dead body. Have you ever hated yourself for the habits that you seem like you cannot break in your own strength? You know, when I, when I had that television addiction, one of the things that I, I would always do at night, I would say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to bed early tonight. And around 11, I would say, like, okay, it's time. But something would come on. And it's, I don't think it's a diabolical thing. I think that it's just the way that media and, and it works. They're always trying to catch you, right? So I would, I would see like one thing and I would say, okay, just a little more. And then again, it was like one o'clock and I would feel so upset, so like a failure. I would feel like, you know, why is this such a addiction for me? 
And when you keep failing over and over and over, then you begin to understand why Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You understand when you really struggle with sin, then you understand why Paul compares it to being wrapped with something that you absolutely are horrified at. Well, in chapter 8, Paul gives us the remedy. And I'm going to ask you to look there with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. The Bible says, there is therefore now no what? No condemnation. Now, this is the beautiful part. Paul is saying that if you do what I'm about to say, you will not be in bondage to sin. Well, what is it that he's saying? Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are what? In Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to break that down for you in just a moment. But I want you to notice what else he says. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the what? After the spirit. Now, let's, let's examine what Paul is saying. These words here are so profound and they're very important. The first thing that I want you to notice is that, and it depends, of course, on what version you're reading, but the language of Scripture here, it says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you walk after something, in our language, what do we call that? We have a, a concise word. If I walk after something, what am I doing? I am following it, right? Okay, so Paul, in essence, is saying, you'll be free from sin if you don't follow the flesh, but if you follow the Spirit. And I'm going to tell you right now, one of the first key points that you need to understand, if you've been struggling with something, if you have been wrestling with this addiction, this habit, this sin in your life, one of the first things that you need to understand is that you have something in your arsenal to gain the victory over that, and it's called the power of choice. Now, please hear me out. The Bible promises that for every temptation, God will always make a way to escape it. Now, I know that some of you have grown up in the 70s and you knew about that comedian that popularized the phrase, the devil made me do it. But here's the truth. The devil can't force anyone to sin. And so, at the, at the spearhead of gaining victory, at the spearhead of this issue of gaining victory over sin, you have to remember that in your arsenal of weapons, God has given you something called choice. And I want to challenge you that whenever you are going to face a temptation, and some of, some of the time we know what our temptations are. Some of you, it's going to be an evil temper. Some of you, it might be some inappropriate things on the internet. For some of you, it might be like me. You might have an addiction to television. And I don't, look, I don't know what your specific issue is, but what I do know is that God has given to every person the power of choice. And the first thing that you have to look for is that when temptation comes, you have to look for the way of escape that God has made. Does that make sense? Now, look, in every person's life, 
I think that we all, if we were to think about what we struggle with, we all know that there comes a point in the temptation when we've, come, we've gone too far. So before you get to that point, you've got to look for this, this little avenue of God is giving me a choice. Let me give you a quick story. Um, for me, as I mentioned, media is a really big temptation because for me, it's an escape. And so when I watch something, it, it like, you know, my life is complex. And so when I have, I don't want to think about all my problems. And so if I watch something, it erases my mind, right? Well, what I have been discovering lately is that when I go to YouTube, I can watch movie trailers or I can watch a sermon by one of my friends. Does that make sense? <laughs> and I'm not just saying this for the sermon. This is not just an illustration. I have found that by making a good choice, it changes the course. Now, it's, I'm not saying that I'm still not tempted, but by making a good choice, it gives me power to have the ability to refuse sin, okay? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we're doing this all in our own power because you realize that it's God that is giving you the way of escape. Does that make sense? It's God that's giving that to you. The second thing that I want you to notice is that Paul in Romans 8 says that if you're in Christ, you have no condemnation. Well, what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, come over with me to the Gospel of John. This is probably the most direct and simple explanation of this idea of what it means to be in Christ. And I'm going to ask you to come with me to John chapter 15. And I'm going to ask you to start with me in verse 4. John chapter 15, look with me at verse 4. And this is Jesus speaking. And I want you to notice what he says here. He says, abide in me and I in you. Now, is this the same idea? Is this being in Christ, yes or no? Yes, same idea. Jesus is saying, look, abide in me. He doesn't say be close to me. He says, abide in me. But what does this actually mean? So come with me down to verse 7. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my what? Words abide in you. So let, let's be practical here. How is it practically, how is it that we are in Christ and Jesus is in us? Well, the Bible says that it's by allowing God's word to be where? In us. Now, make no mistake. The Bible over and over and over connects the word of God with, be, with, being, or with gaining the victory over temptation. Do you know what David said? David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, I'm telling this to you from experience. You, if you're struggling with temptation, if you're struggling with sin, choosing the right thing is not always going to be easy 
But one of the things that's going to give you the power to overcome is the power that comes from having God's word stored in your mind. And I don't know, I don't know if you remember that when Jesus was tempted, Jesus met every one of Satan's temptations with a corresponding promise in God's word that met that specific temptation. So what does that mean? It means that Jesus, as our example, showed us that when we are being tempted to do wrong, we have to use the storehouse of Scripture that God has given us to meet the attack and the temptations of Satan. Do you know why I'm asking you to or challenging you to read through the Bible in a year? Yes, I want you to know more about the Bible. But, you know, if you read the Bible as you put it into your mind, whether you perceive it or not, you will see a change in your own life and a change in your character. I don't know if you, any of you ever do sprouting. Do any of you ever sprout like alfalfa seeds or soybeans? Or Okay, well, I, I grew up with my parents sprouting soybeans, okay? They would sprout these soybeans, and it's kind of strange how it works. You get these soybeans, and you put it on a tray that has holes. And every day, they would, put just, they would pour water over it, and guess what? The water would just run right out. It, it wouldn't stay. Does that make sense? They would pour the water through, and it would just stay. I, I'm sorry. It would just fall right. It would go right through the screen. But they do this every day, and every single day, the sprout, the, the, this, this little bean, it would change. Like, it would go from the bean, then it would get soft, then it would swell up, and then it started to, like, have shoots come out of it, and then eventually you'd have these soybean sprouts that were, like, this long. And this is the irony of it. The water never stays. It just goes right through. Does that make sense? But even though it goes right through, it affects a permanent, lasting change. You know, when you read the Bible, especially when you do a Bible reading plan. By the way, can I say something? Reading the Bible and studying the Bible is not the same thing. Are you with me? Th that's totally different. When you study, you're wrestling, you're engaging with the Bible. Reading the Bible is just as important, though, because you need to familiarize yourself. Well, when you read the Bible through, it may go in and go out. You might just see it, and then it's gone. But make no mistake, like that water on those soybeans, it will actually do something to your mind, to your character, and you will discover that in moments of sore temptation, you'll remember words from the Bible that you probably didn't even commit to memory. So this is why the Bible connects gaining victory over sin with the power of God's word. Does that make sense? There is a special power. It's the creative power of God's word that gives us victory. Now, I want to make look at one more step that is very important. Come with me over to the book of Romans chapter 13. And I want to ask you to look with me at Romans chapter 13. And let us, let's look, Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Romans chapter 13, and I want to ask you to look with me at verse 14. 
Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not, what? Provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to make provision for the flesh? Well, let's say that your struggle, like mine, is television. If that's the case, you probably don't want to renew premium cable in 2022. Does that make sense? Because why? Because that's making provision for what? The flesh. In other words, you're basically saying, Lord, please give me the victory, but I'm still going to get premium cable with 500 plus channels. And, you know, if you're doing that, in, in, inevitably you're going to, to, to stumble, right? Does that make sense? You might struggle with substances. Well, that's easy. Just You have to ask God to help you stop making provision by not purchasing alcohol or those things anymore. Does that make sense? And look, maybe you struggle. Yeah, and you know, some people have a really bad temper. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a this is going to be a shocker, but there are lifestyle keys that you can accommodate that will help you to be more patient. I don't know if you know this, but certain forms of food can have a stimulating effect and can trigger a temper. Does that make sense? So come and see me if you're struggling. I'll tell you personally. But anyway, the point is there are things that you can do that will help you to be more patient, more calm. And, uh, you know, I come from a country where it is very, very common that couples have explosive arguments. And when I say explosive, I'm talking about like, you know, decibels of screaming and shouting and, you know, they portray it on, on their dramas. And, then, and the truth is that it's directly related to their lifestyles because these people eat very, very hot, spicy, salty, you know, foods. And look, there have been studies that show that these kinds of foods will, alt if, especially if you're predisposed, will definitely foster and facilitate this type of response when you're tempted. So, folks, my challenge to you today is that in this year, God is calling us to come up higher. In every year, it's a chance for us to make this year better than the last. And if you walk closer with God this year, if you want to gain the victory over things in your life that are just hard to, to beat, I want to challenge you first and foremost, first and foremost, give God the opportunity to help you see the way of escape. Okay, and some of you are, are wondering, why do I keep saying that way of escape? Because the Bible says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape. That's what I'm referring to. He'll make a way for you to escape. Sometimes we just feel powerless, right? Well, part of the power to overcome 
It comes from the Word of God. And this year, saturate yourself in the Bible. Find good sermons online. The Bible is online. You can listen to it while you're driving to work. Spend time in the morning in devotion, studying the Bible. As you, you may not see it, it might just go right through, but make no mistake, like the water that changes those sprouts, it will do something. It will change you. But you just got to keep putting it in, putting it in, putting it in. And finally, don't make provision. Don't allow Satan to have the right environment for you to fall into temptation. Does that make sense? Don't make any provision for the flesh. If, you're, if you struggle, like I said, and, and those things are there, ask God to give you the strength to cut off that subscription. Maybe don't put batteries in the remote. Do whatever it takes so that you will be able to have a chance to let God give you the victory this year. Now, uh, before we close the service, I did mention that I wanted to introduce our, our couple from media. Uh, is Tim here? Okay, well, Leah, come on up. Let's, let's just introduce you to our group here today. Today, I want to introduce you to the director of the media church plant. Her name is Leah. Uh, Crosby Lysi, and uh, Leah, we are so thankful that you are here and your husband is here and your group is here today. I just want you to know that on behalf of the Westchester Church, we are excited to be with you, and we look forward to serving you, to helping you, and folks, let's pray for this media group. Can you say amen? Because, you know, you know we, we want a memorial for God everywhere. Does that make sense? And they're doing that work. They're participating in that. So, Leah, on behalf of the Westchester Church, we're thankful for you. And, Tim, we pray God's blessing upon you. And we're looking forward to an exciting 2022 working together. Amen? Thank you so much. I just wanted to, uh, on behalf of Delaware Valley Hope Seventh-day Adventist Church, um, just wanted to share with you a couple things, if that's okay. Just wanted to say thank you to all of you for opening up your place, for allowing us to use your space for a baptism. We really, really greatly appreciate all you've done and all your help, and we appreciate your support. We're excited for what you're doing. Thank you for your message. I needed to hear that. Um, take the message that Pastor Emmanuel preached seriously very powerful message. I just want to share one scripture today that has been on my heart. Um, that can give us hope. And if I find it, I'll share it. If not, I will um, assume that God doesn't want me to share it today because I don't have it memorized. Um, but I know approximately where it's at. So I will just assume now is not the right time to share that scripture. But thank you for giving me the opportunity. It's important to be open to the Holy Spirit um, when he wants us to speak and when he doesn't want us to speak. And thank you for this opportunity. Bow our heads as we close. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for what you've done for us in this past year. No doubt some of us, well, all of us, 
We owe the fact that we are even still alive to your providential care and your mercy to us. But Lord, as we enter a new year, we we want victory. We, We want to live a better life than we lived last year. So please, Father, help us because we're weak. We, our promises to you are like ropes of sand. We've broken them over and over and over. We, we can't do it on our own. And yet you've given us in your word powerful weapons, powerful tools to be able to gain the victory. And so today, Lord, we commit our lives to you. We ask that you will please work in us. And may this year be a year that we draw closer to you. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.